Hello, welcome back to The Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCreary, and today I am here with my dad talking about the NFL Draft. The NFL Draft is a few days away. It's on Thursday. And so today we're kind of we're going to do kind of an NFL Draft preview. I have my dad here. He's going to ask me some questions and kind of like an interview style. Uh, so that's what this podcast is today. we got a lot of topics, a lot of names we're going to get to. We're going to talk about, you know, the quarterback class a little bit. We're going to talk about Jalen Carter going to talk about B. John Robinson, what the Falcons will do. We're most Falcons fans, so we definitely got to get some Falcons talking here. And we're going to talk about some names that are going to be picked outside of the first round or some names that we expect to go outside of the first round. And we, we may even get to some deep sleeper guys who are, you know, projected to go deep in the draft um, and talk about some of those guys. But I'm excited to have you with me here, Dad. Um, Thanks All for joining right. me. Hey, it's great to be here, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know you're excited about uh, th- the draft on Thursday, and yeah. uh, for uh, for NFL draft junkies, it's uh, so it's like Christmas morning. Uh, uh, it, there's a lot of build up. Been talking about it for a while, and uh, it's 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 upon us. Oh yeah, so, yeah. And, I, I'm very excited. So uh, just to start out here, uh, I, I think the uh, uh, probably one of the top. Uh, uh, Lot of topics uh, that we've been seeing here, or or the four quarterbacks out there. Yeah. Uh, so we have um, uh, among those uh, four, uh, we have uh, Bryce Young. Obviously, uh, um, uh, he's expected to go in, in probably one of the top two picks. Uh, we have Will Levis, who has kind of elevated his name is kind of elevated in recent days. Uh, we have C.J. Stroud, and we have Anthony Richardson. So I, I want to ask you, um, where, where do you think these four fall uh, in the draft coming up? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, so CJ, or sorry, Bryce Young, he is on the consensus big board, the number one player, number one quarterback. C.J. Stroud is number two. Um, Anthony Richardson is the, the QB three at, and the number five overall player in the class. And Will Levis, the 13th player in the class, QB four. I really don't know, and really no one knows, where these quarterbacks are going to end up other than Bryce Young. Um, over at, For a while, it looked like C.J. Stroud was going to be the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers. He was the betting favorite um, and I, I'm pretty sure at one point he was the significant betting favorite. The odds came down a little bit. But over the last like week or two, Bryce Young has become the guy at number one. He is like a massive favorite to be the number one overall pick. So I think it is pretty safe to say that Bryce Young will be the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers. And my personal opinion is that would be a good pick. I love Bryce Young. I think he's great. Um, he was awesome in college. There aren't many weaknesses in his game. Like, he's accurate, good decision maker, has good pocket presence, um, is, is creative, out of structure, can extend plays, make plays happen, when plays break down. Um, and last year, we saw him surrounded by a, a not a lot of talent for Alabama standards, mm-hmm. And he played extremely well. He's played well for the last two years, and his two years as a starter at Alabama. So I think that would be a good pick. C.J. Stroud, we really don't know where he's going to go because uh, there are rumors that the Texans may pass on C.J. Stroud because he is represented by the same agent that represents Deshaun Watson. 
And we all know that that Deshaun Watson and the Texans had that whole deal where he had his legal issues where he was, you know, accused of, of sexual assault by like over 20 masseuses in Houston. Um, and, and they had that issue that they dealt with. So there are rumors that the Texans could pass on him because of that. And as of yesterday, the uh, Will Levis has become the betting favorite to be the number two overall pick. And, and he's become kind of a significant favorite. Um, I'm pulling up the odds here right now. Um, you, a lot of guys who are who are the favorites to be picked high are their odds are like in, in like plus two hundred, plus one hundred. Will Levis is minus one twenty to go number two overall. Um, so he he has kind of separated himself as the favorite to go number two to the Texans. Me and Thomas actually broke down all the all the quarterback prospects in a, in a recent episode. So my feelings about Will Levis are are known. I'm not the biggest Will Levis fan. Um, I think I don't want to be too critical of Will Levis because like he is a talented football player, and there is a chance that he could be good at the next level. There's always a chance that he could hit and become a solid football player. I just don't think the odds of him be- becoming a franchise quarterback are that high. Um, he, he has some major flaws in his game. I think everyone knows that, that he has really good physical tools. Like, he has great arm strength. Um, he's got good size. Um, he played pretty well in 2021. His play dropped off in 2022 when his number one receiver, Wondell Robinson, went to the NFL and a bunch of his offensive linemen got drafted. After, after he lost those guys, his play fell off. And he, and he wasn't nearly as good this year. Um, and I think there were some major issues in his game. Like one being his pocket presence. He does not handle pressure well whatsoever. And he's not a great runner. Like he's not a high level runner. I think we've come to realize in the last couple of years that if you if a quarterback can run, if he is a high level runner, that gives him a higher floor. Um, because we've seen we've seen guys come into the league become high level runners, and because they're high level runners, immediately their teams become great. Like their their team's rushing attack becomes elite as a result. We've seen that happen with Jalen Hurts. We've seen that happen with Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson. There are a number of examples of that, and so rushing ability is important for quarterbacks because it, it gives you a higher floor. Um, and Will Levis doesn't have that. He's an okay athlete, but not a great one. And he's not a high level runner like Anthony Richardson. And so that combined with his inability to sense pressure is a massive issue for me. I think Will Levis is really similar to a lot of guys in last year's class. I think he's in that tier of prospect. Um, I think really he is a good value in the second round. I think the highest I would take him is in the back half of the first round in the 20s. Um, but really, he is more of a second-round talent, um, someone you can bet on with his physical tools. Um, I think he, I think in 2021, he was solid. Um, and, and I think we saw more of a first-round talent then. But this year, he really, really struggled. Um, and he's an older prospect. He's about 24 years old. And the fact that he has a major issue like an inability to sense pressure at that age when he is known as a pocket passer, like that is a significant issue for me. And so um, 
I, I wouldn't love him at number two, but I think the Texans need a quarterback. I think they need, they need to take one now rather than waiting because I think if you're going to wait to get a quarterback, that's a mistake. I know next, year, next year's quarterback class is awesome. You have Caleb Williams, Drake May. Those guys are incredible. But you are not guaranteed to get a top two pick in next year's draft, which you will likely need to land one of those guys. So I think... The Texans, they have two first-rounders this year. They need to take a quarterback at number two. Um, And even if that guy doesn't work out, they can take a quarterback again next year. And I think that it is a great idea for teams to take as many swings at the quarterback position as they possibly can because that is the most important position in football. Like, if you don't have your quarterback situation set in stone, you need to improve that, and you need to work on that. So uh, let's assume that that is the case, that the Texans are going to pass on Stroud because of the representation uh, being the same as with Deshaun Watson, and they're wanting to stay away from that. Let's assume that's the case. Then you would think that the the choice would be between Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Uh, is it a case there where obviously Will Levis may be more NFL-ready to start than Anthony Richardson, who may need a year – uh, back, you know, learning a system for a team. Yeah, so that's kind of the narrative that, you know, Will Levis is this NFL, he's more NFL ready than Richardson. He can step in, start from day one, may not be great, but it won't be a disaster. And people think that Anthony Richardson is a complete project who needs to sit day one, won't be ready for a year or two. Um, because he is known as a raw passer. And I think the label that he is a raw passer is accurate in some ways. But I do not think that it's accurate to say that Will Levis is more NFL-ready than Anthony Richardson. I honestly believe that you can start Anthony Richardson day one, and the passing isn't going to be pretty. Like I think if he starts day one in the NFL, he's going to struggle in terms of accuracy. The decision-making isn't always going to be perfect. But, like I mentioned earlier, rushing ability gives quarterbacks a higher floor. And he already has that rushing ability. His rushing production in college was really good. He's, like, the best athlete at the quarterback position we've ever seen. His combine testing numbers were off the charts. So I think that you can start him day one and have an elite rushing attack right off the bat. And he also has great pocket presence. That's one of my favorite parts about his game. Um, That combined with his physical tools, his arm strength, his ability to throw with different tempos, like he can throw, he can drive the ball into really tight windows, Mm -hmm. but he can also throw with touch. Now, he needs to become more consistent in that area, and he has to improve his accuracy, but he has all these traits that elite quarterbacks in the NFL has, like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, all of those guys are like physical freaks, like athletic, like monsters. They're all great athletes with big arms and they don't take sacks. Like that's one thing that makes Patrick Mahomes one of like the best quarterback in the NFL. He never takes sacks. And that's something that Anthony Richardson does. And I think that over the last couple of years, we've realized that some of the most important things when you're evaluating quarterback prospects is arm strength overall physical tools, um, mobility, the ability to extend plays um, and provide value as a rusher, and then pocket presence. And I think Anthony Richardson is probably the best in the class in all three areas. So for me, Anthony Richardson is my QB1 in the class. Even though I love Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I think Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud 
are really good and are and are good bets to succeed. Like I think the probability that they're going to be good in the NFL is high. I think they are a good bet to succeed. But I think if they hit like their 100th percentile outcome, and and I think if they hit their ceiling, that ceiling is more back half of the top 10, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, rather than an all-pro and an elite quarterback. I just don't see Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud becoming like elite quarterbacks, like perennial all-pros. And I think Anthony Richardson not only has that ceiling, but has the traits to reach that ceiling. His floor is lower than Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, so when you take him, it's a gamble. But you, have to, but you have to be comfortable with that and realize that he has traits that will allow him to succeed in the NFL. Um, and I think that he that his ceiling is way higher than everyone else's in this quarterback class. And I think he has the tools to get there, to reach his ceiling. So um, I think that he's ready to come in day one. Um, it won't be pretty in terms of his passing ability, like I mentioned earlier, because his accuracy is an issue right now. He's not the best decision maker in the world. Uh, but he doesn't take sacks, and he's a great runner. So I think that he can survive as a starter day one. Whereas with Will Levis, he's a guy who, he's more accurate than Anthony Richardson, but his accuracy is just okay. Um, but he, he isn't a great runner, and he's a sack machine. So, and he's a pocket pra- passer. So like he's not going to be a high-level runner like Richardson is. So I'm like, okay, like he's going to be a sack machine and he's 24 years old. Like this is an issue he should have cleaned up by now. So I don't think that it's accurate to say Will Levis is more NFL ready than Anthony Richardson. I would disagree with that. So going back to the Panthers pick at number 1, um you know, it's kind of gone back and forth. At one time, uh, time the betting favored or uh, people were thinking maybe C.J. Stroud might be their pick, and now it seems like Bryce Young <clears throat> has taken that uh, spot at the top. Uh, obviously, I think the only the only knock against Bryce Young is his size. I mean, if Bryce Young was six four two thirty, it's it's a no brainer yeah. for sure. <clears throat> the thing with C.J. Stroud is what raised some eyebrows this past week is this new test. What's the name of this test? Yes, S two. S two. So obviously C.J. didn't do too well in this S two. Bryce Young aced it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you think that that has kind of elevated Bryce Young into that favorite for the being the number one pick? The results of that test. I don't think so. So the S two test is like a cognitive test. Um, I've heard the the founder of that company or the guy who like created the company who you know does that test. He kind of described that and like what goes on in that test. Like part of it was like they would have like like quarterbacks they would have like flashing lights in front of them and they have to like tap them like really quickly. And the test is just determining your ability to make decisions quickly and like um, kind of as like a proxy to decision making and being able to read things on the fly. Um, kind of like reading defenses, like where you have to mm-hmm. go from one read to the other. It's kind of testing your ability to do that. Um, now, there are rumors that, that people or potentially teams are putting out fake numbers. So I don't completely trust the numbers that are coming out that say that C.J. Stroud was like in the 18th percentile in that test. Um, I, I, I don't I wouldn't be surprised if, if he does struggle to like process defenses quickly in the NFL because that's kind of common among Ohio State quarterbacks because of the offense they play in. Um, and it's something that like Justin Fields struggled with um, 
at Ohio State, and then he has kind of struggled with that in the NFL. But I think C.J. Stroud is a different prospect than Fields. Um, I don't think he's as physically gifted as Fields was, um, but I think he probably is a little bit better of a decision maker. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think that Bryce Young acing that test um, played. I think it played a little bit of a role, but I don't think it's the whole reason. I just think that you know Bryce Young is a fantastic football player and, and worth the number one overall pick. So, looking at the draft order, assuming there, assuming no trades, yeah. okay. Uh, I'm looking. Okay, so obviously, let's take these two, these four quarterbacks that we're talking about, and let's look at the order here. You, so you got these are the first four teams that pop up in the regular order without a trade in coming in. You got the Panthers at one, need a quarterback. You got the Texans at two, they need a quarterback. You got the Indianapolis Colts at four, need a quarterback, and then. You go all the way to the Tennessee Titans at 11, need a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, if you, if it was up to you, where would you put each of these four guys, assuming they're the first four quarterbacks uh, chosen, where would you put them with each team, assuming there's no trade? So for me, I'll, I'll say what I would do and then what I think NFL teams are going to do. So I, I personally, because I'm huge on, I'm really high on Anthony Richardson. Um, and I'm not the only one who's high on Anthony Richardson. Like there are a bunch of people who cover the draft who are also very high on Anthony Richardson. And I've come out and said that the Panthers should take him. So I, I'm not like just a crazy person going out on a limb here. Like it is a opinion that other smart people have who are way smarter than me. So I would go Anthony Richardson at one if I were the Panthers. Then at two, if I were the Texans, I would go Bryce Young, who's my QB two. Then um, Colts at four. At four, like and we're assuming no trades here. So Correct. at number four with the Colts, I would go um, C.J. Stroud. And then we can go to like the bottom of the first round is where I would take Levis and mm-hmm. some spots that I think uh, would be worth considering him are like the Bucks at nineteen. The Vikings at 23. Um, the Giants would be a spot if they didn't re-sign Daniel Jones. And that's, like, the last spot. So, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe the Ravens, because they're dealing with the whole Lamar Jackson situation. Uh, but that's kind of hard to figure out, uh, like, because we don't know where if Lamar Jackson is going to be in Baltimore next year or not. Uh, but really, I, I think Will Levis would be great going in the second round. Like, that's where the talent is for me. Um but I, I I think that you know the quarterback position is so valuable that um, and, and you know if if you're a first round pick you get a fifth year option and so yes. teams care about that and that's important so I think um, the Bucks at 19 um, they're a potential landing spot and so are the Vikings and I think those are the, the two most uh, likely landing spots if he falls outside of the top ten but we know that he's not so so uh, we've covered these four quarterbacks yeah. Who's your Who's your number five? Um, honestly, like, uh, so I, I Hendon Hooker would probably be my, be my quarterback five, but I don't think he's that far off from Will Levis. Like, I think there's a, a tier one of like three quarterbacks: Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson. Then there's a tier of like two quarterbacks: Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. I love the physical tools that Will Levis has. Like his arm strength is rare. 
And I think he showed enough in 2021 to say, okay, this guy could theoretically become like a starter in the NFL. I just don't think he's ever going to be a great starter. I just think he's going to be a, a pretty average starting quarterback if he gets there. Um, so that's why I'm not that high on Will Levis. Hendon Hooker, there are some things to like about his game. I think he's generally pretty accurate. I think he has a good arm, a, a, a fine arm, not a great one. Um, but I think his arm strength is, is solid, and he's a good runner. Like His rushing production in college was really, really impressive. So he's got that. So he's like a good athlete with good size, generally pretty ac- uh, accurate with, with a decent arm, and that's cool. But there are a lot of issues with this game. He played in, like, the fakest offense I have ever seen. (laughs) Tennessee's offense is unlike anything I've ever seen. It's a spread offense, and they manufacture a lot of throws for Hendon Hooker. And good on them. Like, uh, Josh Heupel and his coaching staff did a great job with that offense, putting his players in a position to succeed. They They did a great job of doing that. But a lot of the throws that Hendon Hooker is making are just not going to be there in the NFL. Like the, the play design is so different than what it's going to look like in the NFL. And he's a, he struggles with what Will Levis struggles with. He doesn't have great pocket presence. He doesn't sense pressure very well. He doesn't move well within the pocket. So he takes a lot of sacks. Um, and his accuracy is, is, while it's okay, it should be better when he's getting so many throws that are manufactured, where he's, you know, running a lot of RPOs, play action, you know, vertical routes that are getting wide open because, you know, Tennessee runs their offense in a way that doesn't allow the receivers to get pressed. So I think his accuracy should be better than it is. I think his pocket presence isn't great. And it's really hard to to translate his skill set to the NFL or to project it because of the offense he played in. Um, And... those are major issues he's also an older prospect he's 25 right now and I believe he's going to be 26 during his rookie year and he's coming off an ACL injury now teams know the medicals and I think I think Hooker is going to be fine in terms of his ACL but that is something you have to bring up so I think Hendon Hooker is QB5 um but yeah I'm, I'm not I'm not super high on Hendon Hooker all right, so let's uh, let's get away from the quarterback position. Yeah, um, and it seems like uh, it, a kind of a, each every year uh, there is a player who uh, is dealing with either uh, either an injury, um, either a, or a personal issue or a legal issue that may be uh, a threat to him being drafted um, uh, higher than. Um, than he actually will. This year's uh, 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 candidate for that or, or, or player who's having that situation is is Jalen Carter with the Georgia Bulldogs, defending two-time to defending national champion. So, so Jalen Carter, if you look at uh, some preseason uh, uh, before this past season, uh, a potential number one picks uh, coming into the 2023 draft, Jalen Carter was probably an easy – top three pick okay uh now uh, after the uh, uh the tragic accident that he was involved in speeding drag racing uh, the evening of the championship parade in athens after the the celebration 
Uh, and then um, a couple of weeks later at the pro day in Athens when he showed up nine pounds overweight and he couldn't even finish his basic drills without getting winded, being terribly out of shape, um, that's kind of uh, making a lot of a lot of uh, G- GMs out there um, question his commitment, his his judgment. Uh, he's still a top five talent uh, if you look at his game film. Um, how do you think all of this is going to affect where he's chosen Thursday? Yeah. I'm not quite sure how much is going to affect him. Um, I don't think he's going to fall out of the top 10. We've heard a lot of rumors that he's not getting past the Bears or the Eagles. Um, and the Bears pick ninth overall, the Eagles pick 10th. Jalen Carter is, I believe, the best player in the draft just based on like talent, film, production. Like His production is off the charts. He's a great athlete. Um, there's not a lot of issues with this game. Like, he's phenomenal. One of the better defensive tackle prospects we've seen in recent memory. Dude's a stud. But the off-the-field issues are significant. And for me, they make him undraftable. Like, I, I, and I know I've talked to you about this. I wouldn't take Jalen Carter. Um, and really, it's simply because, like, if you're going to do stuff that's going to get, you know, your coll- a, a member of your college staff, if, if, if you're going to make decisions that ends up in their death, um, I'm just not very interested in a player with that off-the-field issue. And you have that, and then a few mo- a few weeks after that, he shows up to his combine, mm-hmm. nine pounds heavier than he was at the combine, and he's so out of shape that he can't finish drills. Dude, come on. Like, how? I just don't understand how, and this is like the biggest moment of Jalen Carter's life. And he has a significant off-the-field issue, like a legal issue, where he was involved in the death of a staff member for the Georgia Bulldogs. And, and then, a player. And a player. And a player. And a few weeks later, he can't get in shape for the com- for his pro day. I get that that he must have been under a lot of stress. I get that. But come on. That's a bad look. And, and, and I know that I haven't gotten to talk to Jalen Carter I know teams have. Some teams have come out and said that they're comfortable with him and that they felt that they feel more comfortable with him after interviews. But, like, with all of that, I think there are major red flags here in terms of his off-the-field decision-making, and they're so significant for me that I just don't feel comfortable taking him. Now, I think he's so talented that teams are going to take him top 10. He's actually the betting favorite to go number 9 um, to the Bears, and I think that's where he goes. He's tied uh, with Darnell Wright for the for the highest odds to go at number nine, so I don't think he's going to go outside the top ten. Me personally, I wouldn't feel comfortable taking him uh, with the off the field issues, um, but he's so good that a team's going to take him, and I don't think he gets past nine or ten. Do you think he could go five, Seattle? He 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 could. Um, so right now, Will Anderson is plus two fifty to go fifth. Or, or go third to go fifth. So oh, here, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. So he 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 and Tyree Wilson are are both tied at plus two fifty to okay. go fifth overall. Okay. So they're the favorites. Okay. Um, and then at number three, um, CJ Stroud is the favorite to go three, which would be like a trade up from a team. Mm-hmm. And then Tyree Wilson is plus two fifty. So he's okay. like he's the defender with the highest odds to go number three. Um. So. I think the the Seahawks, based purely on betting odds, would go Will Anderson over Jalen Carter. I also just think that Will Anderson is a safer player. Oh, there's no doubt he's he a doesn't, safer player. I don't think he's nearly as good as Jalen Carter um, as a player, but he's a great player who doesn't have these significant right. off-the-field issues. Right. So a team is going to take Will Anderson over Jalen Carter 
in my opinion. Um, and the betting odds would agree with that. So I don't think he's going to go number five overall to the Seahawks. He could. Talent-wise, he's worth the pick. But I don't. I think they they would pass on him. So this is a classic case of uh, from the from the neck down. Jalen Carter is as good as they come. Yeah. Right now, the question is from the neck up. Uh, and it, it's sad to see because he is a phenomenal. Like he is unbelievably good. There you go. So, which leads us to another position, running back. And running back has become. Uh, it's it's interesting how the running back position has come. Over in the past few years in the NFL, um, you you rarely see a, a running back. Whereas in years past, you might see a running back every year picked in the top five. Uh, it is now not rated uh, as high of a value now as it used to be. But we got one out there this year, Bijan Robinson, with the Texas Longhorns, who is an undeniable talent and is a plug-and-play guy who's going to make any team pick him a better team. So how high do you think he could go? Yeah, and that's interesting because Bijan is unbelievably good. Like I I think he is one of the best running back prospects since Saquon Barkley. Um, he's a stud, like tremendous talent. The production's off the charts. He's a great athlete. Like there's just not a lot – like. If you wanted to say there's an issue with this game is that he doesn't have like hyper elite long speed, so he's not go- going to like create these breakaway runs um, like some other smaller backs will. But that's not a major issue. Like that's like that may you know hinder his like ultimate ceiling where he goes from you know a Hall of Fame back to like or like, like a guaranteed Hall of Famer to you know a likely Hall of Famer. Like that's just how good he is. He's so good in every area. Great runner. Great receiver. Um, he's awesome. Now, he is the favorite to go number eight right now. Um, with the Falcons. To the Falcons. Um, I think that's where the conversation starts with B. John Robinson. I think he could go as high as eight and as low as, let me look, um, he's going to go really high. Like, he's not going to fall that far. The lowest I could see him going at this point is probably, like, the Ravens, and even that is probably too low. He's just an awesome football player. Everyone loves him. The NFL loves him. Um, so he's probably going to go really high. May go to the Falcons at eight. Um, I know a lot of people have talked about him going to the Eagles. The Eagles are like their their front office is super smart. Howie Roseman is like one of, if not the best GM in the NFL. He's smart. They're heavy into analytics. They're not going to take a running back top ten. Um, so I, I think the most likely spot for him is, um, other than the Falcons, cause they're the betting favorites and we could go there is like the, the commanders, uh, could take him. Um, I think the Bucks would be a really good spot for him at 19. Um, so I really like those landing spots, like the commanders, the Bucks, uh, the Ravens would be great, a great spot for him if he gets there. Um, same for like the Chargers because they're having issues with uh, Austin Eckler, so they could use a running back. Um, so those are a few spots where I like him, but I think right now he's probably an Atlanta Falcon. So if if he doesn't go to the Falcons at eight, yeah, uh, I'm looking here. If if you're the Houston Texans and you're at twelve, 
Yeah. And you, if you've already, let's assume you've already gotten your quarterback, <laughs> wouldn't you be a little tempted to take the hometown kid? So I think that um, it depends on on what other positions are available because mm-hmm. they're probably going to have really good players at premium positions available at 12. Like they may have Jackson Smith and Jigbo available. Mm-hmm. If he's available, like take him because their receiving core is pretty rough right now. They need pass catchers. They need someone to help out their young quarterback. He'd be awesome. They could also use a pass rusher. They could use, like, two pass rushers. Sure. They, they, they need a lot. So, like, Nolan Smith will be a great pick yep. at 12. Yep. There, are, there are other, like, awesome pass rushers who are freak athletes, like Lucas Van Ness, um, Miles Murphy. I'm a little lower on Miles Murphy and Van Ness, but those are guys who are, like, these athletic pass rushers who could go at 12. Um, the, the issue with Bijan Robinson, so I love Bijan. The issue with him is that he plays running back. And, and people, a lot of people who are like traditional football fans or traditional football people are like, why does it matter that he plays running back? Here's why it matters. So um, each spot in the NFL draft has a certain number for the contract that the player is going to get paid. And it doesn't, it doesn't change uh, based on position. So if a quarterback goes number one overall, they're going to get paid like, 20-something million dollars, like close to $30 million. Um, if a running back gets gets picked number one, they're going to get paid that same amount of money. So, um, and, and running backs, are different positions have different values. Like a quarterback is way more valuable than a running back. Like your average quarterback is way more valuable than your average running back. And it's probably close to, if not more valuable than your best running back. That's just how, like the value of the mm-hmm. running back position is a super valuable. Um, the edge edge rusher probably comes in next, probably that's more valuable. Oh yeah, like edge tackle, uh, like pretty uh, much every. How about corner, cornerback? Oh yeah, cornerback. Cornerbacks like, more. Okay. Yeah, like cornerbacks more valuable. Wide receiver. Like literally, almost like name a position is probably more valuable than running backs, just because there have been so many studies done on running backs and how running backs don't impact the run game as much as you think. You know, offensive like the offensive line impacts the running game more. How many defenders the opponent, the opposing team has in the box? That matters more. Field position matters. All of these other factors matter more and have a bigger impact on the run game than your running back, no matter how good they are. So running backs just simply aren't that valuable. And if you take a running back top 10, you're going to be paying him like a top 10 running back. Meaning, if you're taking a running back top 10, you have to essentially be 100% confident they're going to be one of the best running backs in the league. Um, and you have to be willing to make that investment. And we've already seen with teams who have top running backs in the NFL, like the Giants and the Panthers, like they got, uh, the Giants got Saquon Barkley, the Panthers got uh, Christian McCaffrey. And they, like, the Panthers didn't want to keep McCaffrey long after his rookie deal. They ended up trading him. And the Giants, they didn't like Saquon enough to give him a long-term extension. They just gave, they just franchise-tagged him. So if you're picking a running back top 10, not only are you paying him like a top 10 running back immediately before he's even taken a step foot on the football field, you're also potentially making a four-year investment. That's why it's a problem to take a running back top 10. Um, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg for why you shouldn't take a running back very high. Um, so I personally wouldn't take Bijan Robinson that high. Um, honestly, I might not take him in the first round just because we know that if you have a good offensive line, you can have a great run game 
with a quarterback you take in the middle or late, late rounds. The Falcons are a great example of this. They had they had an elite offensive line last year. They drafted Tyler Algier from BYU, who was a solid prospect. They drafted him in the fifth round, and he ran for 1,000 yards mm-hmm. year one. You don't need a great running back to have a good run game. You don't need a great running back to open up the pass game. There have been studies done on that. Like, you really don't need a great running back in 2023. You just don't. Bijan, love him. Great running back prospect. But, like, there have been so many studies done on the value of the running back position and how they impact the game. And you're better off taking a running back in the later rounds rather than drafting Bijan high in the first round. So, yeah, that it just tells you kind of where we are now compared to in years past. Uh, I just looked this up. In 1999, okay, Mike Ditka is the uh, coach for the New Orleans Saints. They had the fifth pick in the draft. Another big, another running back, highly talented running back coming out of the University of Texas was Ricky Williams. Yeah. Mike Ditka in the, in the Saints – Gave every pick they had in that draft uh, to to move up to number five, and selected Ricky Williams. So that that tells you where the running back position, how it is now compared to where it has been in the past. Yeah. So, okay. So let's let's uh, jump to uh, the next topic, which is the Falcons. Uh, yeah. We are big Falcon fans, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, they are at number eight this year. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, B. John Robinson has been the latest uh, possible name that they may get. I know Arthur Smith it would probably salivate at the thought of having B. John Robinson in the backfield along with Tyler Algier, Thunder and Lightning, with to to have a running game that he loves in his offense. Um, so, but there are other options that the Falcons can go with. So, what direction do you think that they go with at pick number eight? So, it like I've heard so many rumors about B. John Robinson going at eight. That is almost, and, and the betting odds are saying that he's going at eight. Makes me feel like B. John's going at eight. Now, there are other options. And honestly, before I get into the other options, I talked about how if you're paying a running back top 10, you're going to pay him like a top 10 running back. So, let's say that B. John goes at eight. The eighth overall pick, the contract will be five years worth around $14.2 million, which is around $5.4 million per year. Um, for a, a contract worth $14.2 million would put Bijan as um, the, let me look, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, about the 12th highest paid running back in the league around David Montgomery, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and James Conner. So that's the kind of contract we're looking at if the Falcons took him at eight. So he'd be, he'd be paid like a top 12 back at the position right away. Um, other than him, I think the Falcons have, really, they have a lot of options. Um, I think Tyree Wilson is a good pick at eight. He's a good a good pass rusher with great physical tools, uh, great physical tools. He has great length, um, good explosiveness. Um, he's not as clean as a prospect, um, or clean of a prospect as Will Anderson, because Will Anderson, although he's not a great athlete, and, and I don't think Will Anderson is a blue chipper due to, you know, I don't think he has elite athleticism, but Will Anderson, great run defender, a good pass rusher who knows how to rush the passer. Um, Tyree Wilson isn't as fundamentally sound as Will Anderson, 
but he potentially has a higher ceiling. So I think Tyree Wilson will be a good pick at eight. Uh, I think Nolan Smith will be a fine pick. Um, I like bigger edge rushers who are elite athletes, and Nolan Smith doesn't fit that. So although I love Nolan Smith, like I love him to death. I would pick him at eight and feel comfortable with that. Um, there are There is like in the back of my mind a little bit of hesitation, um, but that's just a personal a personal like preference and bias there. Um, so I think Nolan Smith will be a solid pick at eight. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba will be a great pick at eight. We need receivers. Another wide receiver. Okay. He's, in my opinion, the best receiver in the draft, um, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, I think he's like comfortably the wide receiver one. I love him. I think he, he can play inside and out. Um, he's just so so good in so many areas. He's a good athlete. Um, tested really well at his pro day and the combine. Um, and I think he would fit really well next to Drake London. And I think he's worth the eighth pick. So I think he would be an awesome selection at number eight. Um, love him to death. There are some offensive linemen we could take, like Peter Skaronsky, who can play guard. But I would say, please don't take a guard at eight. You don't need a guard at eight. Um, that's probably not great value. Um, and Peter Skronsky could potentially play tackle. He played tackle at, at Northwestern and played it um, fairly well. Um, but he's really small. Got, um, doesn't have great length. And I don't think he handles power very well. Don't think he has the best anchor. Um, so I think he's going to play guard in the NFL. So that's, poten- like, that's a potential option. If one of the corners falls, they could take him. Because they just cut Casey... Um, Hayward. Casey Hayward. injury issues. Yeah, they cut him yesterday. So they have an opening um, mm-hmm. uh, at corner on the team. Like right now they have A.J. Terrell, Jeff Akuda, who's been really underwhelming. Um, so they, they have an opening at the cornerback position. So right now I think it's most likely that the Falcons take B. John Robinson, um, one of the corners, whoever falls, if one of them does, um, and that's Christian Gonzalez or Devon Witherspoon. Um, and if not one of those guys, one of the edge rushers, Tyree Wilson or Nolan Smith. But I think most likely all the information we have now says that the Falcons are taking Bijan Robinson. So what about this? Let's say the Falcons are on the clock at number eight and one of those top four quarterbacks are sitting there and Tennessee uh, comes a calling the Titans and yeah. wants to trade up to number eight and the Falcons agree to move back and pick up another pick or two. Uh, so let's say that moves them to 11. Does, so who do you think would be available there? Would they be more inclined if B. John Robinson is available at 11? Is that a no brainer at that point in time? I think like if you traded back and it still got B. John, although I don't like the value of the pick, I, and I don't think it really makes sense, I think, at, like, I would say, you know what, at least you trade it back. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like taking Bijan that high, but at least you trade it back mm-hmm. and got some picks on top of it to kind of save that pick or to save, like, the value there. Um, I think at 11, like, you're moving down three spots, so the, the group of players you're picking from doesn't change too much because I think that the, the Bears are going Jalen Carter, and I think... The Eagles at 10 would go, they have a, a, a bunch of different options. I think Peter Skaronsky is the favorite to go 10th overall. Let me look. Um, yeah, Peter Skaronsky is the favorite to go 10th overall. So, like, I think they could go him. And then you're still left with, like, Nolan Smith at 11. I think mm-hmm. probably Jackson Smith and Jigba would be there. Mm-hmm. 
Tyree Wilson may not be there at 11. He could, theoretically, depending um, on how high the quarterbacks go. Um, if the quarterbacks go high, like if, if picks one through four are quarterbacks, Tyree Wilson could fall a decent amount. Um, so I think the group of players you're picking from doesn't change that often. Well, you could still go o- o- line if Scaronzi's gone. You can you get Broderick Jones, you get Paris Johnson Jr. Yeah, who, who may be uh, options. They, they're more versatile on the offensive line. I know Arthur Smith likes versatile offensive linemen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean to be honest with you that. You know, I've, I've I've heard that a lot of Falcon fans kind of wish they'd trade back a little bit. You're still going to get a, a quality guy. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I think if they get an opportunity to trade back, it's if, they, if they're sitting there at eight and one of those quarterbacks is available and uh, it looks like the closest team behind them that needs a quarterback would be the Titans, uh, they, may, they may give them a call. Yeah, um, I – so I – Personally, like my preference, I want I I am tired of the Falcons waiting for a quarterback because we passed on Justin Fields in twenty twenty one took Kyle Pitts, which I thought was a major mistake at the time. I really liked Fields as a prospect. He has his issues, and obviously, like we've seen them play out in the NFL. Um, but I think he could have worked out a little bit better in Atlanta, um, and we passed on him. And now it sounds like the Falcons apparently love Desmond Ritter. And I just don't get why we love him that much. He was an average prospect in college. He was like the third quarterback drafted in one of the worst quarterback classes we've seen in a very long time. That 2022 quarterback class, just being blunt, it sucked. Like it was not very good. And he was the third quarterback taken in the third round. So you're telling me the Falcons didn't want to take him in the second round. So they clearly didn't love him that much in the pre-draft mm-hmm. process. They waited until the third round and then said, hey, we might as well take him. So they were not, you know, they were not quick to take right. Ritter in the draft last year. And then we only play him four games, which I thought was a mistake. I yeah. thought we should have played him the entire season just so we can see what he has. And we weren't a great team. Like, even if we made the playoffs – we were probably going to lose round one. So I would rather just get to like see what our young quarterback has. And if he's good, you know, you stick with him. But now we don't really know what we have with him. All right. we know is that like he wasn't a great prospect in college. He he was a third round pick, so we didn't we don't have that much invested in him. And in the four games he played, I thought that he showed that he was a a, a competent NFL player. But I didn't think he was that impressive. And I just like, I don't think there are many reasons, if any at all, to buy in and, and to invest in Desmond Ritter as the future of the franchise. I just I don't I don't see many reasons to believe that. Obviously, the Falcons are in a better position to judge to judge Ritter than I am, mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I just like I just don't see many reasons to love Ritter and to be like, yeah, we're gonna let Ritter keep us from taking a quarterback. So if there's a quarterback at eight. Like, if Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud somehow fell to eight, I would take them and not even think about another position. I would also consider trading up for a quarterback because I think I think the top three guys in this year's class are all very good um, and worth trading up for, um, potentially. I, I There would be a part of me that would, that would you know, be like, okay, 
I would be, you know, anxious about trading up for them, but I do think for some teams it would be worth it. And I think for the Falcons, they got a good enough supporting cast for those guys where trading up for them might be worth it. Um, if you don't take a quarterback at eight, trade out. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not taking a quarterback top ten, try to trade out if possible. Like, if the if the Titans are dying for for Will Levis at eight, if he's available somehow. Trade back. Like if they if they are willing to give up a massive haul for the eighth pick to get a quarterback, I would do it. Now I don't know if that situation is going to play out because I think the Titans are going to be interested in trading up to number three to get their guy. Um, and sounds like that might potentially be Anthony Richardson. Um, so I, I'm not sure how realistic that that scenario is. But if I'm the Falcons and I'm not taking a quarterback at eight and I'm not tra- and I'm not trading up for a quarterback. I'm going to trade back because although there are, are a lot of prospects that I like at eight, I want more draft picks because the draft is, at, you know, at the end of the day, the draft is a lottery. You're gambling on these on these prospects. No matter how much you like them or how safe you think they are, they can all fail. So it's better to have as many, you know, as many darts to throw at the dartboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just trade back, try to get as much draft capital as I possibly can. I think, uh, I, I really think that, uh, they're, they're they're sticking. I, I don't think they're going to pick quarterback. I, I I think they're they're sold on Ritter right now, and uh, so I, I you know I think Arthur Smith and and Terry Fontenot uh, maybe know some things that we don't know. Uh, I I do know with Ritter, he's very cerebral. Uh, he's got great leadership skills. Um, he's a hard worker. He's he's the first in in the locker room um, every day. Uh, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, I, you know, I, he he needs to get stronger. I know that arm needs to get stronger. Um, but I, 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 he's got a lot of he's got upside. Uh, whether or not he's gonna, you know, end up being a, you know, all pro quarterback or not, that nobody knows that. But I, I think they they see enough in him right now that they're gonna pass on on a QB this year. And if you do, you better pray that he plays well because mm-hmm. if he doesn't, I I don't see how Arthur Smith comes back. Yeah, like so. I think if I think if Renner struggles and the team struggles, Renner's gonna be. I think I think that Arthur Smith is gonna be gone. Another thing that worries me about Renner is that the Falcons paid, ten, or, uh, they paid Taylor Heine, Taylor Heineke mm-hmm. a ton of money to be a sure. to be a backup. Sure, and they, and they've come out and say that Renner's the starter, so I'm not worried about Heineke beating out Renner for the starting job. But that's like they're paying him ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Like that's like sure. ten million dollars annually. That's Absolutely. a lot of money for a backup, right? And, and, and it makes me wonder, like, are they a little bit concerned about Ritter? Where like they think that like he isn't the guy? Because I I figure that we're not in, we're not in a position to where we need to be spending that much money on our backup, unless we think that he's going to be playing right away, right? And that we think that he can help us make the playoffs. Sure. So uh, that's something that I've thought about. Like sure. maybe. Or maybe the Falcons aren't as confident in mm-hmm. Ritter as people think, because uh, they didn't they didn't pay Heineke a lot of money. They did, and, 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 and you know, I, next year's class, next year's quarterback class is a lot better than this one's than this year's quarterback class. This year's quarterback class is great. Mm-hmm. Next year's is just absolutely ridiculous. So, if you're not going to take a swing at a quarterback this year, you have to next year. Yeah. Like next year, you better be willing to unload every draft pick you have, right, to get one of those top guys. Because I'm tired of waiting. Like. You, you you have refused to take a swing at the quarterback position too many times. Like, you, you got to next year if you don't now. So, 
Going on from the Falcons, uh, we've, we've thrown some names out there as far as uh, first-round talent and first-round uh, players available. Let's let's go beyond the first round. I mean, obviously, we, we see mock drafts. We see the the same no- names uh, from, from, you know, from first to last pick in the first round. Let's go to round two. Throw, throw some names for, for folks out there that, that might not be uh, – have their finger on the pulse of the – of the draft going beyond the first round, uh, give give it throw out some names of some players that we could expect to see in round two. So the first name I had written down is a guy that I'm not sure if he's going to go round two. He could go round one, but is a guy that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about that much or give him much consideration as like a really good player, and that's Darnell Washington, hmm. tight end wow. from Georgia. Yeah. So on the um, on the consensus big board, he is ranked. Let me find him. He's ranked number thirty three. So there is a realistic chance that he goes in the first round. But God, I love, love, <laughs> love Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington, tight end from Georgia, played behind Brock Bowers. So his production in terms of volume, like receptions per game, receiving yards per game, wasn't impressive. However, we know that uh, production for tight ends in terms of volume isn't as important as it is for other positions like wide receivers. That kind of stuff, very important for wide receivers. Where Darnell Washington shines is in terms of his receiving efficiency and his blocking ability and his athleticism. And athleticism matters a ton for tight ends. So I'm going to pull up some numbers here. Um, So Darnell Washington... Um, I think he's probably the, t- the third best tight end in this year's class. Um, in, in terms- after, after the kid from Sanford, after the kid from Notre Dame. Yeah, a- after like, um, and, and um, Dalton Kincaid from Utah. Uh, oh, I'm it, sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I no, mean no. Stanford. I'm used to Stanford having a top oh, yeah. tight end every year. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's what I meant. Kincaid from Utah and then the kid from Notre Dame. Yeah, those guys are really good bets to be great receivers. So I think those are, are um, probably better prospects than Darnell Washington, but Darnell Washington is about six seven. It's two. See, he's he, he's about the size of LeBron James. He's six seven. I think he's two sixty five. Like, and, and and if you if like me, you're a big Georgia fan. They show him. It was either the semifinal game or the championship game this past year. In warmups before the game, he's standing on the field next to Brock Bowers. And Brock Bowers is a big, impressive kid. He towers over Brock Bowers on on that field uh, in term, just in terms of size. A kid, he is a physical specimen. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And one reason I like him so much is so um, yards per reception um, is a metric. You know, obviously you take yards divided by receptions. Guys who rank high in that metric most of the time are guys who are like deep threats. Um, and you can have guys that you know have a that catch a high volume of receptions and also are, are uh, have a high yards per reception. Um, Darnell Washington did not catch a lot of passes at Georgia, but um, his career yards per reception is ranks in the 99th percentile since 2014, which is great. And that metric matters a lot for tight ends. Um, and then looking at athleticism, like his combine numbers are off the charts. Yeah, that combine was pretty impressive. And so I have some metrics that are that take combine performance and weight adjust and, and adjust it for height and weight. So uh, Darnell Washington's 
Adjusted 40-yard dash, like height and weight adjusted 40-yard dash, ranks in the 94th percentile since 2014. And his agility um, drills, like his, his agility score is what the metric is called, which takes his three cone and his 20-yard um, shuttle and adjusts it for his height and weight, ranks in the 99th percentile since 2014. Mm-hmm. Like, the dude is just mm-hmm. like crazy fast, super agile for his size. Um... I, I think he projects to be a pretty good seam structure. Like, I think, you know, run him up the seam. I think he's going to be great there. Like, there's there's a play on his highlight tape where he hurdles the guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, Deuce yeah. is a freak athlete. He's a good blocker, like a legitimately good blocker. His PFF grade as a as a run blocker was, was, was really good. I just think there's a lot to like about Darnell Washington. He's a guy that is going to be better in the NFL. Than he wasn't. No doubt, and and that, I think one of the things you got to give him credit for in this day and time where uh, uh, you got players with a with a transfer portal now, anytime they're not getting a lot of playing time or they they're not the the number one at their position, they they don't want to go somewhere else. Darnell had that chance. Yeah. He had that chance when you know when it was apparent. Uh, Brock Bowers was a special talent and yeah. his freshman year, and Darnell's there. It was Darnell could easily transferred somewhere else yeah. he didn't he bought into the system uh and he became an integral part of that team uh, but just the fact that he stayed the course bought in shows you he's a team guy yeah i love darnell washington but like i said he possibly can go in the first round he reminds me somewhat of uh, jelani woods who came out of uh, virginia last year now um jelani woods was nowhere near the blocker Darnell Washington is. Um, I think he was also older than Darnell, um, and he went in like the third round, I believe, maybe the fourth round. And they, he's not as as good as Darnell Washington is, but they both have kind of similar skill sets where they're both athletic freaks who weren't super productive in terms of volume in college. Um, part of that, part of the, part of the reason why Darnell Washington wasn't productive is because he was playing behind like, the best tight end in the country, <laughs> potentially. Like, right. if not first, he was second. Like, Brock Bowers is a stud and possibly a top-ten pick next year. Mm-hmm. Like, Bowers yeah. is a stud. But I love Darnell Washington. Um, I think he's got a skill set that NFL teams are going to love. They love guys who can catch and block and who are great athletes. And that is Darnell Washington to a team. So I love him. I have another tight end on my, li- on my list, Sam LaPorta from Iowa. You know, Unsurprisingly, Iowa has produced another talented tight end prospect. They do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like they had George Kittle, Noah Fant, um, DJ Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. I, I'm writing an article for uh, with the first pick right now, uh, talking about guys I think are sleepers in this year's draft. Sam Laporte is a guy I'm writing about. Um, great receiver, uh, creates separation easily. He's a bit undersized, and he's not going to be a great blocker, I don't think. So I think a lot, there some teams are not going to like Laporta. But he's super productive, led Iowa in receptions and receiving yards last year. Um, he is great at breaking tackles, forces a ton of missed tackles. He's a very good athlete, performed very well at the combine. Um, and, and I think that, and he also provides a lot of versatility and where he can, where he can line up on the field. Last year, about 20.5% of his snaps were played out wide, which is ridiculous. For comparison, um, Don Kincaid is another tight end. We've already mentioned him. He's a tight end who is known as potentially the best receiving tight end in the draft. And he does a lot of his damage from the perimeter. 
he lined up out wide for just 9.5% of his snaps. So Sam Laporta, like he can line out wide, he can line up in the slot, great separator, a freak athlete, can force his uh, missed tackles at a really high rate. Dude is really, really fun. Like I said, not big, doesn't have great size. It, I don't think he's going to be a great blocker. So some teams may not like him. Um, but some teams are going to love him, and they're going to find a way to use him. And if he goes to a team who likes him, who has a smart coaching staff, um, who trusts him, like I think he, he has the potential to be really, really good. And right now he's projected to go in the third round. So, like him. Next up, uh, we're staying in Iowa, uh, talking about Jack Campbell, linebacker from Iowa. He, like, I am leading the Jack Campbell fan club here. I love Jack Campbell. He's one of the few linebackers in this class that I think projects to be potentially a Mike linebacker because he's huge, like, like one of the biggest linebackers in the class, but he's also a freak athlete who can cover and tackle and defend the run. He just doesn't have a lot of flaws in his game. He did take a while to produce at Iowa. Like, it took a while for him to really play well um, for the Hawkeyes. But in his last year, he was off the charts good. Probably the best linebacker in the country. Um, And I think that that his skill set is really, really valuable. Um, And I want to look at his combine numbers. His combine numbers were just absolutely ridiculous let me see if I can pull them up because he um he wasn't known as a great athlete coming into the combine and he just absolutely dominated um and had one of the more impressive performances that no one saw coming um performed very well um his RES which is uh, a measurement called uh relative athletic score uh, which kind of takes all the combine measurements and puts them into one number where one is the worst and 10 is the best. And it compares every prospect to every prospect who, at the position who's tested since the combine has existed. His RAS was 9.98, meaning he is like just under a 100th percentile athlete for, at the linebacker position. Um, had a 37 and a half inch vertical, which is awesome. Had a 10-8 broad jump, which is unbelievable. Um... His 40-yard dash was a little slow at 4.65. Not, like, special, uh, but, like, still really good. And then his shuttle was 4.24, which is awesome. And then his three-cone was 6.74, which is, like, 98th percentile. Just ridiculous for a guy his size. I love Jack Campbell. Um, I think he is the best linebacker in the class. He's going round two. I think he could, um, you know, if a team likes him, likes him enough, He's good enough to go round one. I think he is awesome. Okay. And next up, my last round two guy, we got Josh Downs, receiver for UNC. Um, not a lot of people are talking about him. I think he's super underrated. He's more of a slot receiver because he's really undersized. Like every receiver in this year's class, every wide receiver in this year's draft is undersized. Um, and he's no different. Um, but he plays a lot bigger than he is. Um, he caught around 70% of his contested targets this year which is unreal. Dude has great hands, and he isn't afraid um, to go up in the air and fight for the ball in contested situations. He's a really good route runner, um, can create separation, was super productive at North Carolina, was one of the more productive receivers in this year's draft, Um, and and he's a good athlete. He tested really well at the Combine, um, was a really good athlete by RES, um, had a a good 40-yard dash, just a really good football player. 
um, who is also a good athlete. Um, and although he's undersized, I think that the fact that he's so good in contested situations is a, a good signal that he is probably um, going to be really success, successful in the slot. I like uh, Josh Downs a lot. I think um, if a team liked him enough, I, I could see him slipping in, into the first round. And a lot of people probably wouldn't like that pick. Um, and I, I would say I think it's a solid pick. I like him a lot. One more thing. Uh, <clears throat> uh, wide receiver yeah. position, uh, late first, second round. There, there, I just wanted your thoughts. There's two wide receivers from Tennessee, University of Tennessee, that have received some good yeah. attention. What are your thoughts on those two guys? Uh, yeah, um, those are both. Those are two guys. One of them, Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver from Tennessee, won the Bolitnikoff this year, was unbelievably productive. I like Jalen Hyatt, but I think that his role is so limited that he's not that valuable. That he's not like him going in the first two rounds is a little bit crazy to me. I think he's more of a third or fourth round pick, probably a third round pick, yeah. like. In a, like a mid third round pick, and here's why. So Jalen Hyatt like has elite speed, uh, played in the slot at Tennessee, and was a phenomenal vertical threat from the slot. And I think he is great in that role and will be awesome in that role in the NFL. But I think that's all he can do. Like he didn't really run a lot of routes at Tennessee. Wasn't a great separator at Tennessee. Didn't face press coverage at Tennessee like at all. And we've talked about how gimmicky their offense was. Um, so it didn't they didn't ask Jalen Hyatt to do that much. He's also really skinny. Like he's sub 180 pounds, which is really light. He's got a really small frame. He was was uh, expected to run in like the four twos or the four threes in his 40 yard dash at the combine. Ran a four four forty, which is fine. Like that's good. But that's underwhelming for Jalen Hyatt. And for a guy who was around 175 pounds, that's kind of slow. Like, if you adjust his 40-yard dash for his height and his weight, his speed score really isn't that impressive. Um, so I have concerns about Jalen Hyatt. I like him. I just like him in a very specific role, and that's a deep, a deep threat from the slot. And that very specific role isn't that valuable. Like, there's been talk that he could potentially go in the first round. That was a, co a conversation that was being had about a month or two ago. I, I would be shocked if he goes in the first round now. I think he is firmly going in the second round. But he could potentially slip into the first. I wouldn't like that. Don't think it's good value. Like the player. Like him in a, in a specific role. I just think that role isn't worth a top two round selection. And then moving on to Cedric Tillman. Tillman is really interesting because unlike a lot of guys in this class, he has the size to be an X receiver or a boundary receiver. He's huge. Um, let me try to find his measurements. Because he he's about, I believe he's about um, 6'3". Let me look. He's about, I know he's like 6'3", uh, 216 pounds. Um, can play outside, played outside at, at Tennessee. Um, but he wasn't super productive at Tennessee. And, and I think he, ha he has some nice skills. Like, I think he is great at, at catching contested targets. Um, he's, he's, he can go up and get the ball. Um, he did that really well in 2021. And he can block. And he's a good athlete. Um, so I think, like, he's a guy I think is an interesting uh, bet in the third round. Just because 
I don't think he's like this great separator. I don't think he's this dominant boundary receiver. I think he's going to get a little bit overdrafted because teams, because there's not a lot of receivers with great size in this class. And so I think he's going to get overdrafted. But he does have a, a role that's valuable. Like he, he will be a great red zone target. Um, he's got good size. Um, he can catch contested targets. He's a good blocker. Like some team is going to really like him. Um, and I think he's going to go in the second round. But he's more of a third rounder to me, um, and, and a good player in a specific role. That's just probably not as valuable as where he's uh, going to end up getting drafted. Gotcha. And right. before we go, I wanted to throw out a few names mm-hmm. that are like deep sleepers that are going to go outside the second round. I'm not going to do a deep dive on these guys, but just some names I wanted to throw out there. Israel Abanacanda, running back from Pittsburgh. He killed it at his pro day. His numbers were off the charts. Um, he was also very productive at Pittsburgh this last season, and he's only 20 years old. And he, he has upside as a rusher and a receiver. So I think that he's, he's a guy that's kind of been climbing up the consensus big board over the last month or so. Um, I like him a lot. I think he could end up being one of the better backs in this class, A, because he's got size, he's a great athlete, and he, he provides value as a rusher and a receiver. There aren't a lot of guys in this class that can do that, so I like him. Evan Hole, a running back from Northwestern, he's going to get drafted really late, I think, and I love him. He's a big back, um, got good size, wasn't super productive as a rusher at Northwestern, but was super productive as a receiver, and he tested well at the combine. So he's a guy I think is getting really, really underrated. Um, I think he's got this skill set where he's a great receiver. He's a good athlete, got good size. I think there's upside there as a rusher, and we already know that he's a great receiver. So he's a guy that I think could really outperform his draft slot and be really good in the NFL. And then lastly, we got Dorian Williams, linebacker from Tulane. Um, just a really solid player, really athletic, undersized. I don't think he's going to take on blocks well. I don't think he's going to be a great run defender, but he's great in coverage um, and was really, really productive at Tulane. Um, great athlete. One of the few linebackers in this class who were productive in terms of their tackling ability. Like, he racked up a lot of solo tackles at Tulane and was also really good, really productive in coverage and is a good athlete. They're, like, he's not perfect, um, and he does have some some big flaws, but I like him late in the draft. And another name I want to throw out there. I haven't talked about him a lot on the podcast, and I really haven't talked about him a lot on Twitter. It's Roshan Johnson, Bijan's backup at Texas. Everyone absolutely loves him. And there's a reason why. Although he wasn't productive because he was sitting behind Bijan, super efficient. Broke tackles at an unbelievable rate. P- uh, generated yards after contact like at a, at a crazy rate as well. Um, he's big, got good size, tested well at the combine, uh, was really efficient as a receiver. Like His yards per route run in college was really, really good. Like One of the best marks in the class. Just... You know, and, and we know that that efficiency at the running back position is actually more predictive than volume. Like r- rushing yards per game, receiving yards per game are not as predictive as like efficiency stats like yards after contact per rush attempt, yards per route run, and missed tackles forced per rush attempt. Those efficiency metrics are actually more more um more important and more predictive. And Roshan Johnson just absolutely like looks elite according to those metrics. So I think he's going to get drafted higher than people realize. And he's a great athlete. Got a really nice skill set. 
and he's getting underrated because he played behind Bijan. If he didn't play behind Bijan in Texas, he probably would be one, one of the highest rated backs in the class. I love Roshan Johnson, and a lot of people do as well. That reminds me, real quick, uh, <coughs> yeah. for Falcon fans my age, uh, there was a kid named William Andrews that the Falcons drafted yeah. out of Auburn. And uh, I think uh, at the time, Auburn was running the wishbone. And they, had, they had three running backs back there. And the, the blocking back was William Andrews, and he was blocking for uh, Joe Cribs mm-hmm. and James Brooks, who both were uh, picked high in the draft. Well, this third guy back there in the backfield, William Andrews, was picked by the Falcons. And had he not had a tr- uh, really uh, traumatic knee injury uh, before the end of his career, would probably be the leading, you know, be one of the uh, uh, top uh, Falcons uh, rushers of all time. He's still uh, uh, pretty much a legend from that time period for Falcon fans. So there you go. You just never know. Somebody like that kind of waiting in the shadows to get their chance in the NFL could happen. Now, luckily now we have so much, like, so much data and so many important, like, data points that, like, weren't accessible to the public prior to, like, 2014. Um, so we, we can look at a guy like Roshan, who was playing behind, mm-hmm. like, a generational talent in Bijan Robinson, and we can see, okay, there, like, he may not have been productive playing behind Bijan, but he was super efficient and he's really good in all these areas that matter for the running back position. And, like, he's got good size. And there, there are a lot of running backs in this class that are pretty small. Like, Jimmy Gibbs, he's sub 200 pounds. Um, Deuce Vaughn, a running back from Kansas State, is, like, 5'5", 178 pounds. Like, really small. So, Roshan has great size. He, he's got a good weight, which matters for the position. He's explosive, great athlete, can catch passes, can block. Like, he's one of the better blockers in the class. Um, so I, I think he, he's another guy who has all the, all these traits that mm-hmm. will allow him to be a lot better than the NFL or in the NFL than he was in college. Plus he's got more tread on the tires too. Cause he has, oh, yeah. The, yeah, that's absolutely. also a good point. Absolutely. So that's all I got, man. Yeah, this was fun. Um, a lot of fun talking about the draft. I'm excited. I'm glad I got to talk, uh, about some sleepers. There are some guys I've been looking at where I'm like, Ooh, mm-hmm. this is a guy I think, uh, could really shock people in the NFL, but that was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Hey, I, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to Thursday and um, <coughs> see what happens. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, I can't wait for us to pick Bijan running back in the top 10 and for me to be very upset about that. <laughs> but uh, that's we all. Shall, I, we shall see. We shall see. We shall see. So I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, I had a lot of fun. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Um, and we will see, or I will see you all next time. Peace. <laughs>